With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Would you have taken Cap from 2012 or would you take Brock Purdy from 2023 if you had to pick one? Oh, man, bro. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Truly, for what it's worth, I'm going to have to take Cap. Yo, yo, I'm Robert Griffin III, and this is RG3 and the Ones, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. On this show, we're talking to the Ones. I'm talking the Ones at the top of the industry in sports and entertainment who don't just know the game, but also study it and come here to drop facts on you. I'm the one who thinks that Derrick Henry should play for the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm not saying it's because Gus Edwards or Justice Hill or J.K. Dobbins are slouches, but the running back in baltimore has always been the guy especially when they win a super bowl so why wouldn't you get a guy with pedigree like derrick henry last year he was first in carries he was second in yards and in december he gonna give you something to remember in february he gonna be your sanctuary so if you want the baltimore ravens to get over the hump why not go get a guy like derrick henry who's also looking to get over the hump but hey I digress on that. And before we jump into things with our guests, I'm going to need you guys to go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yes, that's right. Like and subscribe. We can't do this without you. We want to keep this bad boy rolling and we're going to have guests up in the next couple weeks that you guys are going to be salivating to hear things from. Also, I'm going to need you guys to go and follow us on social media at RG3 and the ones because every single day we're going to be dropping new clips to get you excited about the episodes that we just shot and also get you ready for the ones that we're about to shoot. Hey, and if you need to listen to us but not see us, you can hear us anywhere you get your podcasts at, people. So make sure you lock in with us, tap in with us, and we can have some fun. Now, coming up on this episode, I'm talking to the one who's the newest member of the Hall of Fame. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro. Stuff he's done is really unheard of in the NFL. He was the 2007 defensive rookie of the year i could keep going on with his stats with 733 solo tackles he had 20 and a half sacks five fumble recoveries and eight interceptions some people call him bam bam others call him p willie but what we gonna call him today is hall of fame linebacker patrick willis welcome to the show brother yeah yeah i appreciate it man what an introduction <laughs> that's, that's nice. I, I appreciate it appreciate it uh, honored to be on here man thanks for having me Nah, no, man, we are honored to have you on the show to have this great conversation. And I was just going to start it off the way that we we feel like we should, man. Just how does it feel to be the newest inductee into the Hall of Fame and be a part of the 2024 class? Yeah, it just, I mean, first, it's a tremendous honor. It still feels unreal. Um, but at the same time, each day that has passed now and it's starting to sink in a little bit more. Now you're starting to, you know, having to do the list to get things ready for it. And you're like, man, it's really happening. So uh, it just it's a lot going on at the moment, but a great moment. Yeah. And what you've experienced in your NFL career, really in life, a lot of people will never get that experience. So when you got that knock on the door from Bryant Young, just describe that feeling of of, I guess, finally getting into the Hall of Fame uh, after waiting, you know, five years as being eligible to get in. What was that feeling like? Yeah, it, it was a great feeling. It was it was a 
a feeling that was, you know, it was more of, you know, it's uh, it's on time. It, it's time. And, you know, I had said before that, you know, whenever it happens that, you know, I would um, be appreciative and beyond grateful. And I didn't know when it would happen, you know, uh, or if it would. But to see that it, it happened, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's beyond words. I, I don't even have the words to, to put it in to, to play. Now, Pete Willie, we do our research on this show. So I, I've seen other people ask you these types of questions. And you mentioned that uh, part of this process was, you know, your nieces asking you to put together a basketball goal for him. And I, and I heard that you hadn't put it together quite yet because you got interrupted by that knock. Have you finished Have you finished putting together that basketball hoop yet? Oh, man, you had done your research. <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't put it together. I haven't finished putting it together yet, but I most definitely um, will do that. And, um, yeah, that, that was – I mean, that was a tremendous day, just the fact that, you know, I was putting that together for them. And I remember when I was around that age, um, of putting up uh, me and my dad putting up our first basketball goal and to be doing that for them and to get to knock it was just um, a complete moment when I look at your career I had the honor of playing against you and anytime uh, we lined up I think we played in 2013 and this is after the Super Bowl year for you guys and I just knew with you and Navarro Bowman it was always going to be a problem you know you guys were going to be physical at the point of attack you could run sideline to sideline and I just have to ask you this question. Why did you retire at 30 years old? I wanted, I wanted more P. Willie on the football field because I knew you weren't gonna, we weren't going to be playing against you guys every single year. But mm -hmm. I think the fans also wanted more of you. Uh, why did you retire at what many of us feel was such a young age? Man, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I've hit on it before. And, you know, I'll, I'll hit on it a little bit now uh, from a high-level perspective. Um, you know, it was one of those things where it was it was time. They say when you know, uh, you know. And I remember having conversations with myself. I've always been one of those people that, you know, I talk to myself. And one of the hardest things I've learned in life is to is to be able to be 100% real with yourself and honest with yourself. And I remember my rookie year um, having a question. I remember asking some of the old heads. I was like, how do you know when it's time to retire? And they looked at me like, why are you talking about retiring? I'm like, because, you know, I, I was learning when you start something, there's going to be uh, a finish, there'll be an exit. But I also don't want to be one of those guys that that I saw, like my the guys I, I idolized growing up uh, playing the game and saw what happened to them as they got, you know, over that hump. And so I just wanted to try to be mindful of that, but also give it everything I had. And so, yeah, I just when that time came, um, it just felt like everything was – it just, everything was connecting. And I just remember looking at, thinking about Navarro and I and where we were at that point in time and what I felt like. And I was like, man, I always felt like he was he was the next in line, that he was the protege right. to me, knowing that, like, I always felt, and I also, I also had this feeling, too, that, like, man, I, I didn't know if I, how long I would play uh, the game. I just said, man, I'm going to give it everything I have for whether it's injuries or whether it be time that my body said, you know what, Patrick, like, it's, it's enough. Um, that I would be able to walk away, but it wasn't just walking away. When I looked to my right or and or to my left, you know, looking at Navarro, I was like, you know what, this is, it's his time now. And yeah. you know, this in, in the words of, in the words of uh, Simba, you know, Lion King been one of my favorite movies growing up. I remember Mufasa telling Simba, you know, one day, you know, the sun is going to set on him and it's going to rise on Simba. And um, I just remember that, that feeling and going into that last season, just what it felt like. I mean, I didn't have my dog beside me, you know, I didn't have. You know, Navarro, and I was just like, man, something just 
it's just not right. And, and there's more to it, um, you know, leading up to it and everything. But, yeah, it was just – it was time. Yeah, man. You know, just looking at your career, and I know all the fans watching you, it was like, man, this guy, not just playing at a high level, but it felt like you were, you know, still in the cups of your prime. And And when you played, you played during a time – when there were, you know, some other greats out there, maybe not that you were going up against and lining up against every single down, but guys like Ray Lewis. And, and I read something about uh, you and Ray Lewis at the Super Bowl. And did you, do you ever regret not giving Ray Lewis your jersey at the Super Bowl? Or uh, should I say before <laughs> the Super Bowl? You know, like I said, we do our research around here, but it's just yeah. <laughs> you two guys, two of the greats to, to ever do it, both Hall of Famers now. Um, do you have any regrets there? You know, um, and as I look back on it now, like you said, when you look back on things, things are hindsight. And, you know, it's like, man, if I knew it was going to be my, my last, you know, last go around or my last two roll, you know, between the both of us, uh, perhaps. But I also remember, too, vividly going, being young and, Trading jersey with old heads, and you you get them a jersey right off your back, and they don't, and they give you one that hasn't hasn't been worn yet. And you're like, man, I want I want one of your game worn ones. Exactly, so, I want the game worn. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so at that at that moment, and and also at that moment, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, man, I, I'm I'm a veteran at this moment in, in time, and I was like, man, you didn't even play today, and just in a, from a respect fact, I was like, you didn't even play today, like. At least we were played, and we could have both swapped our jerseys out. But we did. But we did. Like prior to that, um, my rookie, um, my rookie year, making the 2007 Pro Bowl, I believe we did. Um, I do remember the 2007 or 2008 us trading Pro Bowl jerseys. But I also okay, remember that okay. that specific game when he asked for it. I said, "Man, listen, when we see you guys in the Super Bowl, we can do it then." And how about the Super Bowl would have been that game to do it? Obviously, they won. But man, that would have been nice to do it then. But you know, I foreshadowed and told him that, hey, in the Super Bowl, let's do it then. But, yeah, Ray, my dog, man, and uh, he knows if any, at any time if he want a jersey, I'll, I'll send him one ASAP. So. Yeah, no no doubt about it. RG3 and the Ones is presented by Prize Picks, And if you want to have fun winning up to 25 times your money, Prize Picks is where you need to be. It's super simple. You select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Bam! Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to turn every game-changing moment into 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $100 into $1,000. It is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and a huge selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app this week. We playing basketball. We playing basketball. Okay, don't get me started. I love basketball. I thought I was going to be Michael Jordan going up. Let's get into it. This week on Prize Picks, I'm selecting my main man, Nikola Jokic. There's a special going on right now, and he's got to have more than a half. Like, listen, guys, he's got to have more than a 130-point game the rest of the season. Prize Picks is offering that to you guys. This man is unbelievable. He's a former MVP. He's definitely going to have a 30-point game. So make sure you take advantage of this opportunity and give him one, all right? Give your money to this man because he's going to make it right. And my second pick is going to be for Paulo Banquero. That's right. You got to pronunciate his name the right way to have more than four and a half 30-point games 
the rest of the season. He's coming off his first All-Star game appearance. And, uh, I mean, if you know anything about his game, you know that he was a special player in college. And I don't think he's going to take his foot off the gas going through the rest of this year, leading that very young Magic team that has a lot of potential. So I'm going with more than four and a half, 30-point games for the rest of the year for Paulo Banquero. So those are my picks. Daily Fantasy Sports is made easy with prize picks. So go to prizepicks.com backslash RG3 and use code RG3 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, it's easy. Just go to prizepicks.com backslash RG3 and use code RG3 for a first deposit match of up to $100. I did read that you, you know, uh, you were, a, I think it was Mr. Football on both sides of the ball uh, mm. growing up is, and it was the first time that's ever happened. You, you were Mr. Football as a linebacker and also Mr. Football as a running back. Mm. Uh, were you really like that? Pat? Like, were, you, <laughs> were you like that with the rock? You know, man, I, I like to say that, you know, I felt like I could, I was okay. Um, you know, I feel like I just had a will to not be denied. I, I still feel like where I come from, I was not the biggest athlete or the fastest, but, um, I just had a lot of heart because there was guys right. like, for instance, my brother, my brother could run the rock. And if you saw him run the rock, you'd be like, that's Barry Sanders. He going to lead. You, you, you saw, you see me with the ball and it's like, man, that, that kid, like he just, he has it. Like whatever it is he need, like if I just need to be a little bit fast, I didn't have all the jukes. Um, okay. and like that, I just, I just had that step. Um, but no, I just, man, I, I love playing both sides of the ball. I grew up one of those ones that, you know, I love. You know, running and being like, I'm Michael Irvin or I'm Emmett Smith and or on defense. <laughs> you know, you 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 stand other guys and so uh, I'm Ray Lewis, you know, I'm I'm Tukino Spice, you know, it's just so anytime I have a chance to, you know, to run the ball or touch tackle and or run, you know, I just want right. to be at my best. So now I I asked you that because I you know, I, I I read up on you and obviously I know, you know, we've been in the same circle for what feels like twelve years, uh, with just different relationships and I've heard so many great things about you. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, like, okay, in today's game, what running back runs like Patrick Willis did in high school? Ooh, I'll probably say Derrick Henry. Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll probably say I'll probably say Derrick Henry, but he's more. Obviously, I feel like his his. I play one a ball too, so I don't. Some yeah. guys, some people hear that, and and I appreciate I appreciate you not mentioning, but at the same time, I'm I was also the type of person where I'm like, listen, I didn't, I couldn't help where I played it. I just made the most of it. However, if you put me in there with other other guys, and that was always my underdog mentality where I'm okay. like, listen, man, I didn't play at the big schools or I didn't get this many offers, but you put us out there and, and we're going to see, we're going to see at the end of the day. But um, yeah, I'll probably have to say um, probably uh, uh, Derek Henry from the, from the standpoint that he just don't have a lot of shifts, but once you get that step, you're not really catching them. Listen, not many people would be like, you know who I run like? I run like Derrick Henry. And yeah. uh, it, it's it's funny because I actually believe Derrick Henry should play for the Ravens now. Uh, it was clearly a team that, that you got to play in the Super Bowl, but that's a story for a whole other time. Maybe we can get in that too, into that a little bit later. But for you and your career, you're arguably one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker in the past two decades. Like. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. It's, I've always felt that way. I felt that way when I played against you. Um, when you look at it from a standpoint of who you played against, who was one of the running backs that you were just like, I just don't like tackling this guy? Man, <laughs> it wasn't one person that ever lined up across that I was like, man, I'm, 
shaking out my boots. If anything, I'm like, all right, man, you got you to gotta come with it because at any moment, like, <laughs> don't get me wrong, that out of respect, you had that spirit of, like, you know, wanting to, like, um, wanting to win more than you lose. Um, right, and so right. I said to say, like, man, anytime we played on turf, um, I despise any kind of running back we was going to be playing against. But okay. to answer that question, man, I remember coming into the league um, and having Steven Jackson to tackle twice a year. And I remember seeing him in college and finally then getting to the NFC West and um, having him to having to go against him twice a year. He had mm-hmm. a big stiff one. Wasn't a very shifty guy, but had a stiff one that was like no other. So you come in and have Stephen, he was going to stiff on me. And then the next guy would probably be Marshawn. I remember when Marshawn was – I remember playing him in Buffalo and man, that's a whole that's a whole nother story behind that. But yeah, Marshawn, <laughs> he was had that low center of gravity, and he was kind of already bow legged. And so <laughs> it, it, you hit him, and it's like you had to you had to it took it took absolutely more than one because um, he wasn't going down just easy like that. So right when you talk about those two guys, I mean Stephen Jackson, he he's like one of the biggest running backs of all time. And Marshawn had that that famous quote, you know, I'm gonna make sure. I get mine more than I get got. It's something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. out there running with mean intentions. <laughs> For you and your mentality as a player, where do you think that you cultivated that to where it was like, all right, man, it don't matter who that is on the other side of the ball. I'm standing 10 toes down. I'm standing on business. I'm going to go knock their block off. Where do you think mm-hmm. you got that from? Because I feel like that's that was one of your strongest points as a player. Uh, man, be the hammer, not the nail. Either hit or go. be hit. Um, and really, it just comes from man. Growing up in the growing up in the South, small town Tennessee, we were rough. I mean, our grandmother was always having to be like, "Y'all stop that! Y'all too rough! Y'all going, you know, <laughs> going going break something? You going to put an eye out?" But every time we had a chance, it was always about like. And all, growing up with so many so many cousins or whatnot, we was always like trying to see who was the toughest one. But I remember it really. It, it was this particular moment. Um, it was sixth grade football. I'm running scout. And, you know, it's seven weeks or eight weeks in a in a middle school uh, season back then anyway. And I just remember, man, by the fifth, fifth or sixth week being the scout team guy, I just noticed, like, man, they would haul off and just hit us. You know, being a young guy, you know, they would haul off and just hit us. And, and I, I got to the point where we would come back, we'd always be disgusting, me and my, me and my other guys in sixth grade and whatnot, and we'd be complaining about it. And I'm right. like, why did you keep hitting us like this and like that? And I found that something in my head was like, you know what? Bump this. Like, I'm, I'm going to start going back at them. And, like, either they're going to have to be, like, calm down or something. But I'm tired of them hitting me like that. And <laughs> it, it was at that moment that i never forget from weeks uh, five and six, I got to the point where they was been like, they started talking about me now. Like, oh, man, Willis going to come with it. Willis right. not going to let you hit them. And it really just got – it really came from that where I was like, man, enough is enough. I'm not going to just keep – you know, and I, and I thought at the time being a scout team guy, you know, giving them a look. You know, it was supposed to be like just, you know, lightly run it. You know, like sparring right. sessions, like you know like yep. what it is now. But you know, being young and that was, and I didn't start regulation football until I was in the sixth grade and so yeah. here we are now, you you hauling off and hitting me like this all all season long and I'm like, nah, enough is enough. And that's when I said I'm I'm gonna start going back at them. Nah, that's uh it's phenomenal. <laughs> and and when I look at your story and I'm looking at it right here. You know, if I pull up, hey, where is uh, where is Patrick Willis from? He's from, you know, Brucetown, Tennessee. And normally when you look up a city, they're like, hey, here's the notable people from this from this city. OK, but for you in Brucetown, Tennessee, it says notable person because that's how small of a town you grew up in. You, you are 
Bruce Town, Tennessee. <laughs> and growing up there, what would you say inspired you the most to pursue the career of being a professional athlete and, and pursuing football in the way that you did the most? You know, your circumstances and your situations a lot of times, you know, dictate um, a lot of what you want in life. And, you know, I just remember, you know, having that mindset of just like, man, I, I'm tired of always having to ask for things. Like, I, I want to have a life. I want to have a, I want to live like this. And, and on top of that, you know, I just, yeah, I just want it better. I want it right. better. I want it, I want it more. Uh, and then outside of that, man, I take away that. And it just as a kid, I just wanted to be special. Like, I wanted right. to be special. I wanted to, to do great things. Like, you know, that was those, you know, whether it was watch, seeing the superheroes have that magnificent hit <laughs> about them or whether it was right. watching Columbo or Ben Matlock always saw something because it, it was something special about them. And I was like, man, I think I, I want to be special like that, you know, and right. like, what is it that makes them special? When, and just as you continue to, you know, just go forward, man, you just start finding things that you enjoy. And sports was one of those things that I really enjoyed it, but I also, it was also like felt like it was my it was my playground. It was also a place where I could be free, like in right. a way that like I it's, can't really explain it unless you. Yeah, and I'm sure you probably know being an athlete yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you got that, anytime you was able to get that space to just do a little bit of anything, like it yep. was just it was freedom and the playground and and all that was that for me. So yeah, I just I just wanted more and and, and yeah. <laughs> no, nah, nah, no, that makes sense to me. And 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 P. Willie, like. Um, your story is so fascinating to me because when you talk about it in that sense, from a football standpoint, uh, for me, like I want to be a professional basketball player. Like it wasn't football wasn't what I wanted to do when I was much younger. I wanted to be the next Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Hey, 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 believe me, hey, I'm with you on that. I just wanted to yeah. be. I just wanted to be a great. I just wanted to be a professional athlete. Like you know what I'm saying? Like any, any hey, one this, of them, pick me. This <laughs> is my. This is my outlet. I'm, I, I'm yeah. somewhat talented. I think I'm talented. Let's go. Let's go pursue this. But for for me, uh, both my parents were in the military, okay. and and my dad, we my dad military as well. They appreciated his, you know his service and everything. And for me, it was about giving my kids more, right? Being mm -hmm. able to give more for my family, uh, and that's the way I approached it and I attacked it. But looking at your story, I, I saw something that I was like, I gotta ask Patrick Willis to give me one. Give me like a rundown of what it was like to be a 10-year-old, like a day in the life of 10-year-old Patrick Willis, mm -hmm. because I saw that you were working in the cotton fields. Is that true? Yeah, you know, uh, man, <laughs> you, you, I like you. I haven't uh, talked about some of these in, in a while. You know, when I, when I told that story then or when I was sharing, you know, that part of my life and being as vulnerable as I, I was, um, you know, the, the context and if you didn't if you're not from the south right and you seen it from the outside, you would automatically assume like old school or whatever just what you saw on T V and different things. And so I say that to say that, you know, growing up, my grandmother and grandfather them, you know, one of the things they still did growing up was they didn't pick cotton like they did when they was growing up. It was more so like chopping the weaves away from the, the, the cotton bowls so that when the when okay. the the machines come, you know, they're not getting all the, the nonsense. And so that was something that, you know, the old folks done in the summertime for, well, all year long for them, but summertime was really big for us because we were out of school. 
And just being young, it was always one of the things where for me, like, I wanted to help. You know, I wanted to help. I wanted to feel like I was, you know, doing my part. And, you know, um, that's just how it is for us. It's almost like, you know, if you don't work, I want to say it like that, but if you don't, if you don't do, like, it ain't, you don't really feel good about it. You don't feel like you contributed. And I just remember at a young age, like, I always wanted to, you know, if you want something, my dad said, if you want something, well, you got to, got to earn it or you got to, you know, and if you want so you got to pay for it, you know, it costs. <laughs> right, and right. so just, so I'm, I'm trying to give some context to like, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't that I had to, you know, I was forced to go out and, and work during the summertime. And my dad was like, right. I'm not going to sit around and not do nothing. And, you know, if you want some school shoes or different things like that, but what had started to happen was I noticed that the money in which I was earning, which was, you know, it was only a, a hundred bucks or a hundred, maybe a little bit over a hundred, you know, being 10, 11 or whatnot, right. that the money that I was, you know, giving to my dad, um, I had noticed that, you know, wow, like, you know, I thought this money was going to go to, you know, the light bill, but then the light, right. you right. know, or, you know, I'm having to go ask someone for, you know, some, some money to do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, man, like what's, what's going on? So it, it was more, more of that. It wasn't, so much to where it was just, you know, my little hundred bucks was everything that, you know, took care of everything. It wasn't so much that it was just, you just noticed that little things that it was it said it was supposed to be going for, you just didn't see it. And so right. that was kind of a a whole story of, you know, doing my little part then. And obviously as you continue to, and I continue to grow older or whatnot, things, um, yeah, things got a little, little, worse or whatnot and so you just find yourself doing a little bit a little bit more uh which you know being an older sibling uh you know i just feel like that was he's next up you know you're yep. next up um it's part of your responsibility to you know um do what needs to be done and and that's all I man that's all i try to do and just grateful that man through the years um you know i've been been fortunate to be able to be um be their help at times so no doubt about it. And now, now, Patrick, you're, are you a man of faith? I am. I am. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I yes, believe, I, I believe that I saw that, that you were a man of faith, that you're a Christian. And, you know, mm -hmm. I got to say, you know, first of all, thank you for, for, for sharing those, those moments and, and those situations that you haven't visited in, uh, in a long time. And that God has certainly, you know, he certainly put those challenges in your life uh, for a reason to help build you up to become the man you are today. And not just that, but but also the player. You talk about being the oldest sibling and, and the leadership and the responsibility that comes with that. And I just got to say, man, topping it off with becoming a Hall of Famer in the NFL and being enshrined in Canton uh, certainly shows that you you led your family the right way, that you that you became who you thought you could be when you were that sixth grader on the scout team. Right. And doing it the right way. And uh, you had a, an obviously triumphant career. And everything that you went through kind of built you up to this moment. So, you know, I don't know why in this moment, I just feel like I need to say that to you, but it's, it's very, very impactful what you've shared so far uh, in this conversation. I want you to know that it's not falling on deaf ears. No, no, I really, really appreciate that, RG3. And, and, and I'll, I mean, I'll say that, whew, just speaking of this thing, you know, it, it's, uh, it can be sensitive, you know, there's certain, topics and subjects that you know they say that you know you don't want to when you when you speak in public you don't want to speak on these things because of x y and z and 
I'm one of the type of people that I've learned in life. Like, I'm not one to make you, I'm not here to, to try to make you believe anything that you don't want to believe. I'm just here to share with you my truth. And it's not, right. it's not yours, it's mine. So you can take from it whatever you may. Uh, with that being said, I, mean, I just remember being young. Like, it's, it was, it's been so many moments like that, man, when I say, you know what, this happened and this is how I knew, you know, or this happened. And I was, I just had to keep the faith because if I saw this, and I was right here. That means like no matter what I was going through right here, that I just had to keep on pushing and I was going, I was going to get there. And this game brings a lot of challenging times and then just life itself. And yes, it if does. it was yes, sometimes it you, sometimes you look around, you're like, man, I don't, I have no idea how I come through <laughs> that. And then you stop and you're like, yes, I do. Or I don't know how I didn't go, how I wasn't going in this moment. And you're right. like, then you stop and you're like, yes, I do. And, and yep. for whatever it's worth, I'm like, man, I don't know. Who's watching over me, around me, inside of me? But thank you. That's thank you. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I, I'm with you. I that moment. I just had that moment just in the share as well. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Nah, no problem at all. And like you know, when I was growing up, my pastor used to always say, "Don't forget about God when you come into your kingdom, right? When you when you come into the Hall of Fame, don't forget who who helped you get there and who oversaw everything that you were going through." And I, and I think it's really important. Uh, Patrick, for you to tell your story in this way. And I'm glad that we've been able to to be that that platform for you and that forum for you to talk about it, because you're going to inspire the next kid from Brucetown or towns like Brucetown around the country, uh, because you have a, a story that needs to be told. And it's a story of overcoming and showing that no matter what you're going through, uh, that you can get where you want to go as long as you put the work in to get there. And, and you've certainly done that. So. I just want to say thank you again uh, for sharing that. And, uh, you know, to be quite honest with you, you know, the conversation now has to has to move towards your time in the Super Bowl with the 49ers uh, in, in 2012. And obviously, you know, I want to get I want to get to the 2012 49ers versus the 2023 San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> right? Obviously, you guys have the same. You have, you have a dominant teams, right? Two <laughs> dominant teams, but have the same result in the Super Bowl, unfortunately, uh, having it be a loss. But I noticed that there was a trend between the two teams, right? Uh, from a quarterback perspective, both teams had a quarterback that had replaced the starter, right? Cap replaced uh, Alex Smith in 2012, you, you guys here in the Super Bowl. And then, of course, Brock Purdy replaced Jimmy G, but it was the previous year, last year that he did that. And then this year, he was the starter. So when you look at some of these comparisons, I'm just going to ask you quick questions. You tell me, you know, what, what you think about them. Would you have taken Cap from 2012 or would you take Brock Purdy from 2023 if you had to pick one? Oh, man, bro. Yeah, I know. Oh, man, you know what? For, for what it's worth, Truly, for what it's worth, I'm gonna have to take Cap. Ooh, I, I, I know it's a. I know a lot of people can go back and picnic like towards what it looked like, you know, towards right. his last couple years or whatnot with the Niners or his last year with the Niners. But right, you know, he he did what he needed to do uh, when we was playing, and and I know it may not be, it may not have been in, in a way that in a traditional quarterback throwing way, you know, like you know, in comparisons. But man, him, you. Man, you guys were something electrifying, man. So yeah, I I, I would most definitely um I'm gonna have to go with Cap. And but man, Purdy, um, 
That's a tough one, man. That's a, I love them. I love them one A and one B. Like, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised because, like, obviously, Cap was like a force there in 2012, and mm-hmm. you guys went all the way to the Super Bowl. And I and I've said this um, for the past couple of weeks. I, I I do believe that Brock Purdy this year, uh, this past season, 2023, 2024, he was the best quarterback in the NFL. You know, based yeah. off the numbers, based off the tape that I watched. Now, I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes isn't the greatest quarterback in the NFL. It was just this year only, including all the season, it was Brock Purdy. So, I mean, that's big for you to, to say that you would take cap. But I, I, I do think that most 49er fans in that situation, if they had to pick one, probably would take cap. But that leads me to my next question. Not only is the quarterback dynamic there pretty similar, but other positions as well. So you look at Vernon Davis or George Kittle. If you had to pick one, I know you guys also had like Delaney Walker, like very stacked team. But if you had to pick between Vernon Davis and George Kittle, how would you weigh those two out? Man, bro, you hit me with these questions. Now I'm, hitting for the first the head, time, I'm hitting you with the haymakers. For the first time ever, for the first time ever, I feel like, man, am I being biased with going with my guys? But like, right. man, but we, we, we had a run. Like we, we had some pretty strong guys at that position. That's true. Man, that year the Vernon had though was was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. But then Kittle was just man, bro. I, ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, I got more. Don't worry. So <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I, I feel like I feel like Vernon was was would have been a little bit different. And dang it, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Vernon, man. I'm gonna go just that 2012 season. Yeah, just that 2012 season. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Vernon and and <laughs> but not but not in Kittle. Kittle had, had some outrageous seasons too. But yeah, that yeah, year yeah. that Vernon, Vernon had, had yeah, an unbelievable yeah. year that year. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, go just Vernon. streaking down the sidelines, catching rails for yeah. touchdowns. I mean, it was it was wild. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I but the next one Ooh. I wanted to ask you about because I, I think that this this one probably has the most correlation for you. Um, 2012 Niners. Navarro Bowman, yourself. 2023 Niners, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Both sets were considered to be one of the best duos in the NFL, if not the best. Which one are you taking? And try to be unbiased here, but it's just fascinating how many sets of great linebackers the 49ers have had. What, what would you say, who would you take? Would you take your, you guys' duo or would you take Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw? <clears throat> We talking about the we talking about the season. Correct, the season. Because I know you would take you and 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 Navarro yeah, career yeah, wise. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Like, come on, who who wouldn't? I, I'm a, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to truly. And, and I said this too the other day. I said if they would have won that Super Bowl, that probably would have put them like as the most dynamic duo. Like I I, I don't want to I don't want to. You know, just being—I I would say—give respect where it's due, and just right. being truthful. Like, you know, the the time they've had. I mean, I don't know how many years they've played together, but man, both they—I mean, the years they played together, they've done played well. And I said, if they'd have won that Super Bowl this year, it'd have been—I think they would have captured. I can't—I think they would have encapsulated it uh, as being uh, the, the, the new best duo. duo. Yeah, yeah, and that, I think that was that would have been fair. Um, it was unfortunate to see what happened to to, to Dredo. Um, yeah, man. man. I hate to see that. 
seeing what happened to Dre and then you saw like Fred's reaction uh, on the mic'd up, like you saw how much those guys care yeah. about each other. You mentioned yeah. how, how you felt like it was, it was Navarro's time when you guys were together, like coming off of that injury for Dre Greenlaw, what would your advice be to him? Cause it is a significant injury for any position when you, when it yeah. comes to an Achilles injury, what would your advice be to him moving forward? You know, that's a, that, that would probably be more of a, more of a answer that Navarro could give to him. Cause you know, that's Navarro true. went that's through, true. went had those two, like the Achilles and the, yeah. and the knee. But what I would say for Fred and what I felt when I saw, when I saw that happen to Navarro, and I remember seeing how uh, Fred's reaction and that look he had on his face. I knew that, yeah. that, I knew that feeling, man, that feeling would just hit you in your, your, your heart and your gut all at the same time. Because I don't lie. I, I felt like, yeah. hey, man, man, like that's my, that's my guy that, you know, we finna go to battle, you know, they're like, man, I don't yeah. know who y'all bringing today. Like, yeah. we finna come with it. Like, I was already thinking in the next season already. I was already into, like, wait a minute, man. Like, what's this gonna feel like? What's this gonna be like? Like, what? Right. Well, you know, that, you know, just, and I just remember the feeling. So I would probably say more so for, it probably more so for Fred, man, really just right. to, just take a deep breath and, and just know it's gonna, it's gonna be a little, little, a little, little, little different, like yeah. yeah, a little different, but but they ballers, man, and uh, I know Dre gonna come back. Well, I sent him a text one night and saying he in good good spirits, and uh, Fred, you know, he he he'll leave it, so he gonna make sure them guys are right. Nah, no doubt about it, and it's it's uncanny the amount of similarities between the two San Francisco teams. And you mentioned, you know, obviously Navarro's injury, and they're also with Dre Greenlaw's injury. But let's talk about this past Super Bowl for a second. Mm-hmm. Seventh longest <laughs> game in NFL history. I mean, unbelievable overtime game in the Super Bowl. Did you expect it to go the way that it did? And I don't just mean the end result, but just how like tight of a game it was the entire game. My two analytic analytical takes on it was uh, either the, the Niners were going to, either it was going to be a blowout. One of those teams are going to blow, yep. blow one or the other out. And or it was going to be a defensive game because whatever Spagnuolo did against uh, Baltimore, that was that was pretty impressive. I didn't I didn't know the Kansas City defense was that was that they good like that. Like that. I mean, cause, yeah, I mean they they got some players. I mean, obviously, you know, they got Jones and uh, yep. and then the linebacker and whatnot. But man, I didn't I didn't know they like that team. They played really well together. And what I, and that's what I, and that's what was scared me a little bit about the Niners this year was that. I felt like, man, people were trying to figure out like what, what was it about the defense? And I felt like they were playing uh, individual ball, like up from okay. the up front, from the up front, the front seven. It was it was just too individualized at, at times or whatnot. And I felt like um, what made Kansas City pretty solid was that they feel like that. I felt like they played really well. Like they didn't, it right. wasn't about the superstar. They were just they just meshed a little bit better. Yeah, it was it was odd with the Niners because personnel wise, uh, if you People were were talking about if you took the Niners personnel and you matched it up against the Chiefs personnel, you would probably pick the Niners personnel. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily disagree with that, but it was effort. And like you're saying, sometimes the guys were just playing hero ball. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the overtime itself and the players not knowing the overtime rules, just mm-hmm. as a, a Hall of Fame linebacker, which you are, do you think that's on the players? You think that's on Shanahan? What's your take on who's at fault for not knowing what was going on? And do you think it was that big of a deal? I think it was a huge, um, huge deal because okay. I feel like cause if it 
if it wasn't that big of a deal, they wouldn't have kept talking about it. They wouldn't have, <laughs> you know, everybody wouldn't have kept mentioning it. Um, so the fact that they wasn't all the way prepared, um, you know, that part is going to sting a little bit because those are things that at this point, like you would think a, a well-coached team or a well, like veteranized team, like would yeah. have that down there, especially here that you hear the chiefs over there talking about, yeah, we, we already talked about this. We're going to overtime. We, you know, and yeah. I was like, dang. But I also mm-hmm. said too, being going back to our, um, going back to the 2012 season, yep. I did notice a difference in how we came out because we didn't play our best defense that game no. At, by no stretch of the. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I remember what it what it felt like with them guys. I feel like they they you could tell they had been there before, and I feel like for me, just in what I felt like. I always told myself, like, man, if I had to do it over again or if I would get back here again, the, the calmness, the the peacefulness, the how I would come into it again would be so much different than – I mean, I don't know. I my Yeah, it was just a different feeling. So I say that to say, like, I wonder if the Chiefs just going back-to-back, back, they were just there last year. The poise they had, you know, during the playoff run um, and then what they did towards the end, it was almost like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is this is the difference between like you know a heavyweight that's that know how to be a heavyweight every time they step up, and then one that's just you don't know. Yeah, okay, you got it. You know it could be. So yeah, I I feel like it was um yeah I feel like it was gonna be a defensive match. Like, but hey, yeah, that no, ugly I, play too, man. Oh, that yeah, ugly play. Oh, you make me think about you make me think about that play. Now you got me going. Out. You got me thinking about when I saw that play and I saw him do that, um, that whatever they call it. What, what, do you know the name of it? They call it the, the very last play of the game. That little oh, the uh, the motion. fake ghost motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the fa- man. So when we played uh, the Ravens and we got down on the five yard line, well, <laughs> two or three yard line. I won't lie yep. to you. I said, man, this is it. RG, I said, man, this is it. Harbaugh just said in training camp, like prior in training camp, he was talking about how we had the best power. Run, power slash running and Frank Gore, how we had the best offensive line. Right. I'm like, and this is it, man. I'm like, man, we're going to win this, all this, all this grind. Man, we're going to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> man. Like, this, all, all this, my, my feet, like, Lord, it's going to be all worth it. Like, yeah. Right, like, right, that's what right. Feeling. Like, man, all of a sudden, I saw them do a motion. I saw them do an audible, or it was either an audible or a motion. I can't, what's there was a motion of some sort. When I saw it, man, I said, I know they're not about to run this play. That, because I pay attention in practice. I pay attention. I'm always watching, <laughs> see what the offense doing, see what's right, going on, what's right. new. When I saw that motion, it just certain stuff that you see that, like, when I saw it, my radar went, I was like, they better not. Man, when they ran that last play out of all plays they could run in the whole, <laughs> I said, wow. But then it worked. It, see, but it works for Mahomes and, and then yeah. not for the yeah. Niners. And I used, to, I used to hate that, man, coming home during those first four seasons at the Niners. Everybody else, all you need is one. You want you one player away from winning a game, and yep. and you end up in season below five hundred. You like, man, if we just could have had these plays and these plays, and you go home and you look on Sports Center, and somebody ran the same play or the same ball exact play, a certain kind of way, and they win the game, and you like, man, what kind of luck do y'all have, man? So I feel like that was that was them, that was them Chiefs, man, because God, yeah. dog, that. Mm. They yeah, it just but, felt like they always found a way to win, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I want to finish this conversation hitting you with some quick, quick questions, right? Okay. So, you got you played in the blackout bowl, right? That's what they call the Super Bowl with the blackout. Uh, there's some fans that believe that the NFL is scripted. 
Now, I'm not saying that it's, it is or it isn't. I don't think it's scripted, but I think it's fun to, to kind of talk about it. And in that Super Bowl, uh, you guys were down, I believe, what, 28, 20 came out. Uh, Jacoby Jones had the, the return for a touchdown out of, out of halftime. Yeah. Uh, then it was, what, 28 to three or something like that, 28 to six. And the lights went out. All right. So in that moment, were you thinking that the NFL script writers were like, oh, no, hold on, hold on. This game's getting out of hand. We got to turn the lights out and let the Niners get back in this bad boy. Or what was on your mind when that happened? Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, honestly, I, I, in my gut, I feel like this is a great pause. Like, this is a great uh, reset moment. Like, we really need to reset and get out of, like, get our squabbles back. Because I don't know what we plan, like, out here right now. And so, yeah, for me, I just feel like that was just, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't think I wasn't thinking about no no script or whatnot. I was right. just thinking like, man, listen, we need a reset. We, yeah, we just we need a reset because I know we we wasn't that kind, of, we wasn't that bad of a team. We wasn't bad. We wasn't. We just wasn't playing like our type of football. But then when we started doing what we supposed to do, I feel like that's how how the Chiefs came back. So I feel like that was that was kind of us. Like that was that's who we were. Like we could yep. we could play that kind of ball or whatnot. And for us to get for us to come all the way back and then be on the free inside the five yard line and not get it done. I was, right, that, that was right. more shocking. Cause we, we built for this, man. Like that's what yeah. we was like. Like, so yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of what you mm-hmm. were kind of uh, describing with the Kansas city chiefs play. It was like, you guys came back and then weren't able to, to have that play that would win you the game. But you also had a very unique experience being coached by Mike Singletary. What was it like playing for one of the most intense coaches of all time? I will say that, Coach Singh is a very, very intense coach, and he has his ways, has his ways uh, about motivating and, and getting us going. And so, um, yep, I'm always going to ride behind him, even though I'll tell the story another time. But even though we've had our moments, so it's not like I still, <laughs> I still ride with him. <laughs> Go ahead, no. Can you can you tell that story? Tell us the moment that you have with Coach Singletary. I, I'm this is li- this is yeah. Hall of Fame linebacker or Hall of Fame linebacker, so. Tell the people yeah, what they yeah. want to know, Pat. Well, first of all, you know, I shout out to Coach Singh. And this yeah, was just one of us. One of one yeah. story of 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 many that I that I have with them uh, in our short but feel like forever time. But uh, this particular year, we playing. Uh, I think this is his second year now. So he was interim when uh, my first year, Nolan was the head coach, and Nolan got fired halfway during the season. And Singletary took over as interim, and then the next season, he was the head he was the head coach for a time until he got released. Um, but prior to that, um, we played, we was playing um, Seattle Seahawks up there early in the season. And um, yeah. we had, uh, I just, Sakawaga is, uh, he's um, Samoan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had the Samoan, uh, the Hawker, is it the Hawker dance? Or yep, it's the Hawker. Yep, yep. Forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, yo. All that, and, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Ice, man, you know, and Ice, they've been doing it all training camp, you know, and this is, our, I want to say this is our first game. And Coach Singh had that, Coach Singh had that, uh, as head coach, he had the mentality like uh, Denzel Washington and remember the Titans. He had that okay. kind of like, you know, we bonded, like we walking out, we holding hands, like we Okay, pros. okay. We in the pros. <laughs> And we hold hands, and I remember just being like, "Man, coach, I, I, I feel you. I feel your drift, but man, like we, we, like, we don't have to lock hands. Really, know we locked in like that, you I know. Feel but you. I feel you. No, yeah. I get it. You know, I understand. His, you know, him trying to get us all on the same accord. But he says, uh, he said, Pat, 
he called me over and you know I'm the I'm the captain, but he calls me over because seeing how he would always he could always like say what he gonna say or how he wanna say it, he he gonna get, put it on me. He said, Pat, listen, I want y'all doing that that ice dance now. I don't want y'all doing that dance. I don't want y'all doing that that hawker stuff like that. And I was like, I look at him, I was like, Coach, yesterday you yesterday you don't want us you don't want us to do it. He's like, no, I want you doing it now. So I'm telling you now, I don't want y'all to do it. So, bro, we get we get out there, and all of a sudden they call the team up, and I I walk up to Ice. I said, Ice, I said, Hey, Coach, they don't want that Hawkins. I said, <laughs> Come on, Cap, you the captain. We want to do it, Cap, like that. And I always said that as a captain, I always said this as a team captain. I said, You know what, man? I may not always agree, but if we all gonna do it together, I'm I'm gonna go with you. Like you know what right, I'm saying? Right. And I, that was an executive decision. Man, we done the thing. Man, it went, you know, Ice had it going. We was all, ha, ha, ha. Yep, we got yep, in yep. there. We got in there after, we got in there after, after it was over with. Oh, boy. Coach Singer Terry called me over. He said, Pat, <laughs> son, I told you. I told you I didn't want it. I told you I didn't want to dance like that. And I was like, man, really going off. We about to go ahead and play a game. And this yep. man is going off about this hawker dance that we all want to do. It was just to get us all pumped up. And now he messed up. <laughs> Whatever little mojo we had, like, you know, we weren't the best oh, team there. Man. But, man, he went off on us. I, and I never forget being like, this. I said, okay. I said, okay. okay. But, it was one, but it was one of them things where, you know what, it's going to go down like this sometime. I mean, I always agree with the call or whatnot, but, you know, you, you handle it. So, yeah, that was that was one of those moments. <laughs> no, <being> like, <laughs> like I, I know the there was the moment with Vernon Davis on the sideline where he kicked him oh, off yeah. the sideline. and That's like legendary. He got, can't win with him. Yeah, can't play yeah. with him. Like, <laughs> you're telling yeah. these stories. And then, obviously, going from Mike to Coach Harbaugh, who's now back in the NFL with the Chargers. Like, what do you – because you obviously, your, your career, you were already flourishing. But under Harbaugh, you continue to flourish. and and continue to uh, rack up accolades. How do you think Harbaugh is going to do with the Chargers? Man, you know what? Um, big shout out to Harbaugh. I know we didn't always maybe see eye to eye, but the respect we have for one another and how we went about our professionalism, right. um, bar none. And I love his enthusiasm for the game. And his track record shows that he's a winner. And I know that he does care about his players and whatnot. And one thing I, I can truly say real quick was that Man, in order to be really great, and I heard Mike Tyson talk about it, in order to be really great in anything, it takes a it takes a great deal of discipline. And and Coach Singh was he had discipline like no other. Now our X and O's may not was were were not the best, um, but his discipline was was like no other. And then you take you take a hungry team such as us, and Frank Vernon, myself, Manny, all, all like it's like it was a little nucleus in there that that guys were drafted, but Right. Whatever reason, it just wasn't clicking. And man, after Harbaugh was fired, so we had that discipline, we had that work ethic, we had like that. We was going, we going, we going to show up physical and ready to go. Now we might not score a touchdown or or know how to get down the field or not or can't, can't stop a deep ball, but we was going <laughs> right, to right, be right. physical and disciplined. And when Harbaugh came in, man, he came in, and I never forget. I saw for the first time what it was like to have a a coaching staff that was Pro Bowl like a Pro Bowl coaching staff, I just call okay. it like a something that was different where that from top to bottom it was it right. synced. It synced. It wasn't you, you know when it's like when it's everything like sinking and you got position coaches right. or players and everybody, on the everybody same page. just pointing yeah. the fingers and whatnot. But then when it's yep. all on the same page and it's all clicking, 
man, the energy is like no other. And that's, that's what it was. Harbaugh came in with the X and O's with the, with the, with the, the coaches, right. uh, the pedigree, whatever it was, I already <laughs> had it coming together. And with the discipline that we had from Singletary, and that's why we was able to that 2011 when people were like, we did not expect y'all to do this. And in our head, we were like, shit, we may not have, we may not have expected it either, but we, we knew we was ready for something. And <laughs> right. It clicked. So. Nah, man. You guys had a lot of success, obviously. And, you know, I just want to say thank you, man, for, for coming on the show, having this conversation, uh, being open, you know, and, and being vulnerable. Um, as a man of faith, I got to say, in my opinion, You've not only honored God with the way that you played and, and what you do uh, off the field today, but you also honored your family. And it's been an honor to have you on this show, to have this conversation and, and get to know you even deeper. Um, and uh, you are a blessing, man, on the football field for all football fans. San Francisco 49er fans certainly love you. We certainly wish we could have got more of you. Uh, but you like you said, it was it was the right time when you retired and it was the right time when you got into the Hall of Fame. So congratulations on that, brother, and appreciate you coming on the show. Much love, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me and everybody that shows love and support. Uh, much appreciated as well. And uh, and man, big, big ups to you and your careers. Well, I know I know it was, didn't go the way that you would have imagined go or right. go out or end the way that you would have wanted it to. Right. But man, it was a sight to you were something awesome to see. And so just, you know, much respect to you and what you've done for the game and what you continue to do for the game. I, I enjoy watching your commentating um, as well and all the energy that you bring with it. So uh, much, much love and much success, continued success to you as well. No, I appreciate that. Uh, hey, we're good now. Uh, Hall of Famer just told all of that about my career. So we're good. We're good to go. Been validated by Patrick Willis, Pete Willie, a.k.a. Bam Bam. Man, what a great conversation. Appreciate you, my dog. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, people. We got a new segment. This week, I'm going to be tapping in with the ones that matter the most, the fans. Let's get into some of the questions that you guys have been asking on the socials. So the first question is, have I ever thought about coaching in high school or in college? The answer to that is yes. Yes, I have. Um, you know, for me as a, as a former player, I spent so much time away from my family. I didn't want to jump right into coaching when I decided to stop playing because I wanted to spend more time with my family. I'm a, I'm a girl dad of four. I wanted to enjoy raising them and going to soccer practice and teaching them different skills. And TV kind of allows me to do that in a better way than coaching necessarily would. I saw the recent comments from Shaquille O'Neal uh, talking to our guy, Jason Kelsey, about appreciating your family and, and not, you know, wanting to be a guy that's living in a hundred thousand square foot home but losing your family. So family is important to me. That's why I've, I've picked TV over coaching at this point, but it's certainly something I'm interested in. And, you know, maybe I could go a, a Deion Sanders type of route where I do TV for a while and then get into coaching. I don't know. Next question. What we got? What team would I want a contract from right now to play quarterback? Ooh, that is a great one. Um, I've been out of football for three years. Uh, I'm not oblivious to that. Um, I live in Texas right now. I would love to go play for the Dallas Cowboys or the Houston Texans because I wouldn't have to move my family all that far. Um, obviously both those teams have a starter. Dak Prescott's going to be, you know, probably getting a $60 million contract this off season. And CJ Stroud is an unbelievable player who had the greatest rookie season of all time. But I do think that those are two situations where if the guy 
that is the guy went down, I could come in and, and be an asset to the team uh, and also help CJ Stroud continue to grow. Um, but yeah, that's probably the teams I want to play for in the backup realm. I'm realistic about my NFL future as a 34-year-old man who hasn't played football in three years. But if a team did come a-knocking, I would definitely answer the door. All right, so the next question is from Jay Wash Drums. That's one heck of a name there for socials. Uh, should the Pittsburgh Steelers trade for Justin Fields? Man, I, I honestly, I hate this question. And the reason I hate it is because, one, I don't believe that the Chicago Bears should move on from Justin Fields. Um, I believe they brought Matt Eberflus back. He's going to be a, what they call a lame duck coach. And I think that they should stick with Justin Fields as they continue to build out their roster. Because if they draft a guy number one overall, he's going to come into a team that's not fully equipped to help him win. And trading that number one pick will allow them to get more picks and add more pieces. So why not add those pieces around Justin Fields? But I digress. The reason I don't want him traded to the Steelers isn't because I don't think he could be successful there. I think he can. I think he can be more successful in Atlanta. Uh, but I, I just I haven't given up hope on Kenny Pickett. And I know people will say, oh, my gosh, why are you doing this? Whatever, whatever. I just believe that Kenny Pickett, the guy who threw for more touchdown passes than Dan Marino at Pitt, is a much better player than people are giving him credit for. And I think in a system that accentuates what he does best with movement and play action pass, he'll be more successful. So that's why I don't want Justin Fields traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I do believe that Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback and he's going to prove that to the Chicago Bears or wherever else he goes. All right. Last but not least, the final question is. <laughs> Do I have anyone else that I'm beefing with or that I have blocked? Yeah, I do. I got to say, guys, um, for whatever reason, LaShawn McCoy hates me. LaShawn McCoy does not like me. He Obviously, he works for Fox and he does his whole thing. But I've never done anything wrong to LaShawn McCoy. Nothing at all. But the man tried to fight me. This, uh, this season, at one of the games, we were there for Monday Night Football. He tried to fight me for no reason. I tried to shake his hand, say, hey, how you doing? He disrespected me, and I, you know, went about my business and did what I was, you know, my job, do what I'm supposed to do. But he tried to fight me at that game. So I don't know why he tried to fight me. I know we had the little uh, back and forth on Twitter, but, like, you know, who cares about that? I'm done with that. I'm not trying to beef with anybody like that. If you get a buy one fight for charity, we can make it happen. Who cares? Well, that's a wrap for episode 23 of RG3 and the Ones. Want to give a huge shout out to P. Willie, a.k.a. Bam Bam Patrick Willis, the newest member of the Hall of Fame. That's unbelievable. But thank him for coming on the show, having a great conversation, and really being vulnerable with us in this moment. So I got to say, guys, it's an unbelievable opportunity to interview these guys. It's also amazing to be able to connect with you. So make sure you guys like and subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can keep this bad boy rolling. And I have to say, RG3 and the Ones is a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks, also in partnership with Whispering Oaks Productions. And this show could not be possible if it wasn't for our producer, Joanna, also our social media guy, Andrew, going out there doing his thing, connecting with the people. And we really enjoy everything that's going on with this show. And we're going to continue to build it out for you guys the best way we possibly can. Now, you guys know I like to give you something before you leave. So I want to encourage you guys right now that just because you fail at something, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. All you have to do is get back up, keep trying and use those mistakes that you made that caused you to fail and let them launch you to the success that you have earned. And notice I said earn, not deserve, because in this life, 
it's not fair. You got to earn every single thing you get. But if you don't quit, you're going to get to success at the right time. So once again, make sure you guys follow us on social media at RG3 and the ones. And I can't wait to see you guys next week. Peace.